one of the most complex and emotional aspects of leaving the church for so many of us is shedding this idea that our worth with God is somehow tied to this endless checklist of things we are supposed to do in order to get to the highest level of heaven. Even just to be accepted by God, this is something that we just carry around with us way after we leave. Well, in today's episode, we are talking to Pastor Mark Parsons from the Truth in Love Ministry. They're dedicated all to helping Mormons to find Christ. And we're going to be talking about the gospel, the real gospel from the Bible, (laughs) God's grace, and the good, good news. Stick around. You're going to like this one. Let me guess, the world keeps telling you you are enough. All on your own, you are enough. Well, I'm about to drop a truth bomb. On your own, you will never be enough. Wait, hold up. Okay, did I get your attention? I am Shelby Hosfield, and at times I was an ex-Mormon, agnostic, a Sunday Christian, and a New Age follower, but God had very different plans for me. The whole time I was living in a very big lie, that I was in charge somehow of my own enoughness and my works were going to save me and my life. Don't get me wrong, I am all about self-help and personal development, but as a born-again, fully transformed Christian, I learned there is the world's way, and there's God's way. To quote C.S. Lewis, the more we get ourselves out of the way and let him take us over, the more truly ourselves we become. You are enough not because of what you have done, but because what he has done. And he lives through you. If you are ready for Bible truths, theology, and apologetics, and wisdom from his word that will shape your life, your confidence, and yes, your feeling of enough, then friend, you are in the right place. This is Finding Faith Above. Okay, friends, before we get into this episode today, I have one very big question for you. How is your life going now that you left the church? Hmm? (laughs) It's kind of a trick question, right? I mean, because there's so much that goes into this. All right, well, if you are having a hard time right now, or if you are needing some guidance, if you are looking to reframe your brain around some old bad beliefs about God and the world and this uh, understanding of who we are as daughters of Christ, well then I'm here for you, friend. I would love to help you to push past all of that and dive into the Bible and find out what God actually says about who you are. And I want to do this together. So if that's the case, you can grab a free discovery call over at findingfaithabove.com. That is just our basic address, findingfaithabove.com, right there on the front page. You can go ahead and grab that free discovery call. All right, so let's get into the episode today. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Mark is wonderful and he just gives such great advice for all of us who are looking to get closer to Christ. All right, here we go. Okay, friends, today we have a very special guest with us. We have Mark Parsons, and honestly, he could not be a better fit for this podcast. And what he's going to talk to you guys about today, you're just going to be blown away with how much cool info he is going to give you. We're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about all the amazing new initiatives he has coming up that are really going to help you. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for welcoming me onto your podcast. Awesome. Okay. So to start with, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you're bringing to the table today? What, what it is that you do? Yeah. So I serve as a full-time missionary with Truth and Love Ministry. 
which is based out of Nampa, Idaho, that has a twofold purpose. Uh, the first is proclaiming Christ directly into the Mormon community. We do that through a website called beyeperfect.org. And the other is serving as someone who equips Christians to witness to their friends and families, really in any workspace religion, but specifically into the Mormon community. And I've been doing this for about three years, and it has been one of the greatest joys and privileges of my life to serve with Truth and Love. It was so cool because uh, when I kind of started this whole mission <laughs> of really trying to talk to people, um, mainly women who had left the Mormon church and were struggling with their faith, like I did for so many years and really trying to dive into how to help them. Uh, I actually stumbled upon the truth and love ministry and went through all the courses on there and everything just so that I could kind of refresh my brain as to where I might've been at the very beginning of all of this journey. And uh, so when we connected, when you had messaged me, I was like, holy smokes, I know all about this ministry already. It was kind of like divine intervention. <laughs> and and we're so glad that you are a, a, a testimony of what Truth and Love Ministry is all about, is really helping people that have made their way out of perhaps a workspace religion be able to kind of think through their own journey. Sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's not always easy to kind of understand where you're at. And sometimes having someone else can help you walk through that and then be able to share your own story so that you can share the story of Jesus with others. That, that's what we're all about. I think a big part of it for myself was not even recognizing how far I still needed to go. It's like I had, I knew I was out, I had been out for years, uh, but how much I still carried with me. I didn't realize how much I still carried with me for so long. And uh, so kind of diving into some of that again, it really helped me to understand some things that had been confusing me for a very long time that I didn't even realize were confusing me still. And uh, so it was educational, but helpful. And yeah, it was a great ministry. It's wonderful. Thank you. And, and your story is one that we hear pretty often where it, it wasn't just one day the, the lights all came on and everything was clear, but it was gradually, oh, this makes sense now. This makes sense now. This makes sense now. Slowly as God op opens, opens our eyes to see things. And we've talked about this before that a lot of the books and different things that are out there, a lot of times they're geared more towards, I think, helping Christians to help Mormons, not necessarily Exmos like myself to actually learn those basic Christian beliefs. And that was the disconnect. It felt like we so often was trying to unlearn so much rather than just learn. And it's like I needed uh, the children's version of everything, even though I was an adult. <laughs> and, and that's I love, very love confusing. Hearing that. That, that's, that's very reassuring. Yeah, it's confusing sometimes, but it's also very helpful to know that I could get that very basic education. So, and speaking of which, we had talked about this a little bit before, um, that I would love for you to just give us a little insight into the gospel, because this is a word that throws us off so often. Um, it, I say it's kind of like these old trigger words. It's like, I don't want to hear that word. I heard that word so much and it's confusing still to me and I don't want to hear it. But in the Christian faith, it's beautiful. It's such an amazing thing. 
And uh, I know that we had shared that you had had an experience with some girls in a coffee shop one day where you just sat down and explain the gospel to them. So I was hoping that today, maybe you, we could just open this up like a coffee shop and you could explain a little bit about the gospel to us. Absolutely. I think of all of the things in the world that I like to talk about, that is probably the top on the list. I love talking about my wife and my children and running marathons, but the gospel is really something that I've wanted to talk about ever since I was about five years old. Um, So some people ask me, well, how, how did you how did you eventually become a missionary to Mormons specifically? And I think it goes all the way back to my mom and my dad when I was a little boy, just encouraging me to share the good news of the gospel with abandon with everybody I met. And so my, my grandfather, whom I never knew, had been a Lutheran pastor in China prior to the world first second world war and after the second world war and just hearing stories about how he boldly shared the gospel the power of god for the salvation of everyone who believes on the other side of the world um, i remember the first time sharing the gospel with someone was when i was five years old and in kindergarten um, i got in a conversation with a little boy named jonas on the playground and I asked him, and in his broken English and my broken Spanish, we talked about the good news of who Jesus was. That next week, he and his family actually came to church with my family. Um, my mom knew Spanish. I didn't. And she was quickly able to share the gospel with that family. And that's really become our family's joy in life is to share that gospel. And um, originally did that as a pastor in the parish for about 13 years, and then more recently have been privileged to do that at coffee shops and over Facebook Messenger and knocking on doors throughout the Intermountain West. And I, I'm glad you brought up that conversation, Shelby, that I had at the coffee shop um, back in Provo last fall. So I was down for the Faith After Mormonism conference um, with Pastor Ross Anderson, a great event. But I got there early. Um, I got there about three hours early. And I thought, you know what? I'm here to meet ex-Mormons. And if I'm going to do that, not just at the conference, but elsewhere in Provo, where should I go? And right across the street, there was a coffee shop. And I thought, this is the place. It's not going to be Mormons. It's going to be ex-Mormons. As soon as I walked in, that was the case. I was actually sitting there with my Bible open, studying God's word for a sermon. And a young man said, hey, what you working on? I got to share the gospel with him to really talk about the gospel is not first and foremost about bad people becoming good or good people becoming better, but about God making dead people alive, about bringing them into a new relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, We got to dive into some of the most beautiful Bible verses in the Bible. I love taking folks to John chapter three, Um, not just verse 316, God so loved the world, but that whole story about um, Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night, really with the question, what do I need to do to be saved? He he was uncertain. He was a, a man whose entire existence was really based on works of the law. And Jesus that night really tells him, it's about faith. It's about trusting in the one who came to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Well, that young man said that he needed to get going. And he got up from the table. And as soon as it got up, I kid you not, these two teenage girls just came in and like flopped down at the table real quick. Um, I could tell they were both ex-Mormon um, teenagers. Um, one had green hair and nose rings and all the piercings. And right away, they said, you know, you know our people well. And I was like, she said, were you one of us? I said, no, but I love your people. And she said, 
you used a word that I've heard my entire life, but you used it so differently. Can you just tell us about the gospel? And my heart was broken and overjoyed at the same time because I realized then and there that she's right, that so many that have grown up in the Mormon church or other workspace religions, even though they have heard a version of the gospel, it's not really good news, is it? Have you ever thought about that yourself, that even though it's supposed to be good news, there really is no good news in it? It was a lot of pressure. It was, that's what it was. It was a, a rule book. And I, I kind of joke around about this. I mean, I knew this at a very young age that this just wasn't going to work for me, like all, all these rules. <laughs> and, and I had kind of decided that if I was supposed to follow this gospel, that maybe I was just going to have to live my life for a while. And then I'll come back to it one day. Um, just because it was a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. It wasn't, wasn't good news. It was, um, these are the rules. Yeah. And, and so often I hear that, that it's, it's turned into just another law, mm -hmm. another checklist. Um, recently, I had two LDS missionaries over at my house. And this is something my wife and I do quite often as we're reaching out. And they described for me the, the plan of salvation, and they even referred to it as the gospel. And they drew for me what you've, you've probably seen before, this idea of the two problems that we have, the problem of sin and the problem of death. They, they drew two little canyons um, that separate us from God. And they said, well, the problem that we all have with death, Jesus takes care of that. And they draw like a brick wall, or in this case, they actually drew an escalator. And they said, um, all of us um, get the resurrection from physical death. That applies to everyone. And they said, but the gospel tells us that when it comes to sin, we don't get an escalator, but we get a ladder. And right away, I was like, that doesn't sound like good news. One sounds easy and the other sounds like a whole lot of good work. And they said, well, God, at least he gave us a plan. And I said, a plan like that, that requires me to do the work is not good news. Um, often when I hear about the Mormon gospel, it makes me think about a father who, who loves his children, but he has a transactional relationship with them rather than one of love. And I'll use this illustration where I'll say, you know what, imagine a father who is, is very aged, he's drawing close to the day of his death, and he invites his three children into his office with the lawyers to look at the will. And the kids are excited. Um, the, the dad owns three different ranches in Montana that have these beautiful ranch homes on them. And they, they've always thought, you know what, someday we're each going to get one of those ranch homes. And the lawyer's there. He opens up his briefcase and he hands each of them this large envelope filled with files. And they each open them up and the blueprints to the homes are inside. And they said, yes, dad's giving us the houses. And dad looks at them and says, no. I'm giving you the blueprints to the house. If you want a house like that, you're going to have to go out and you're going to work hard. You're going to buy the land. You're going to come up with enough money for the labor and you're going to build the house. But I love you enough that I'm going to give you the plan. That is the Mormon gospel at its worst, is that God seeks effort, that God seeks us striving and our worthiness. And eventually he'll say, yeah, well done. I'm going to give you the right direction, but you've got to do the work yourself. I turn that around and I say to those missionaries when I tell them this story, that's not 
good news. That, that's guilt. That's a little shove in the right direction. The gospel would be that father saying, you're all good for nothing. You, you've wasted your lives. You've abused my grace, but I'm still giving you the ranch house in Montana because I love you. And that's going to change their lives, not their efforts. Does that make sense, Shelby? Yes, totally. Totally. So what would you say is uh, where where can people find when they're looking to understand the gospel, where can they find that? Where Where is it spelled out for them of what it really is? Yeah. You know, I, I think some of the places that I love to go is just tell folks to start reading the New Testament, specifically the gospels with the eyes of a child. And they are going to see in this man, Jesus Christ, a very different person than they had ever seen before. Not so much of an example um, as a substitute, as someone who came and showed not only is the gospel about him living and dying and rising, but that gospel is for us. That when Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full, he is telling us you can have that right now, not at some future post-mortal world but right now you can experience the fullness of this good news. And one of the things that you'll see as you read, and, and I, I love to tell people, just, just start with the gospel of John, because as you start reading John 1, 1, you're going to be struck by in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I, I've got so many former Mormon Christian friends now that said John 1 just rocked their world where they saw, no, this is saying Jesus is God. And the good news of the gospel is that God came and tabernacled. He dwelt among us. He came down the escalator to throw us on his back to bring us into his presence. That's what I, I like to say to those missionaries. I was like, you, you've got the right idea with the escalator, but you need to move it over to the problem with sin as well. Because the gospel really connected to the law, says you can't do this on your own. And that's why someone had to come and do this for you. And one of the hardest things for us human beings to understand is God is not looking for us to make a step towards him in improvement or in worthiness or towards perfection. He is leading us in both law, a message of our sin, as well as gospel, a message of grace, to acknowledge both our badness, but also our self-righteous goodness, to surrender both of those to God and say, both of these, in a sense, are separating me from you. Um, both are what sometimes referred to as licentiousness, the bad things that we do, and our legalism, the good things we can do, those can both separate us from God. And what you're going to see in the New Testament is God addressing both of those. Jesus uh, addressing the tax collector, the sinner, the prostitute, those that are living a life of licentiousness. But he also addresses the Pharisee and the Sadducee, the legalist. And both of them need the good news that says a God came to this earth to do for you what you could never do for yourself to take dead things and make them alive, to take broken things and make them new, to take things that were separated and enemies from God and make them friends and children again. 
Hey, I see you, girl. First, I just want to tell you how incredibly excited I am that you are here. Because if you are here, that means you're curious. You want answers, you want to know the truth, and you want to know Jesus. And maybe that's a little scary to say out loud because you also do not want all the religion and the rules and the pressure, and I get that. But let's be honest, you're a bit of a rebel. <laughs> you left everything you ever knew about God when you left the church and it was hard and your mind was a bit blown. I understand exactly what that feels like. Deciding to partner up with God again is something you are doing with the utmost of trepidation. And I get that too. I was, no, I am you. It took me 20 years after leaving before all these super hard parts of my life finally brought me to my knees at 2 a.m. in the morning and friend, I met God that night. But here was the real hard part. Just because now I had faith in God, that did not mean that I knew at all what it was like to be a Christian. And if you were like I was, there may seem like there is an overwhelming amount of things to unlearn before you ever go about learning. The church literally affected every single aspect of our lives. From there, I made it my sole purpose to not only understand these basic Christian beliefs from the Bible that I felt like I should have already known, but to know what it meant to be a true daughter of the King. Now I help women kick off all of that religious package, reframe their brains and beliefs, and find self-worth based in Jesus in the Bible, friends. Isn't that amazing? This is Christian life coaching specifically made for ex-Mormon women because you can have a life of peace with God. Doesn't that sound good? Okay, you and me, let's jump on a free discovery call. Go to findingfaithabove.com right there on the first page. You can book your 15 minute call with me. This is Christian life coaching specifically made just for you. I cannot wait to meet you. Findingfaithabove.com. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I always tell people to I start in John because John is, um, as far as a goth, the gospels go, the four gospels, John is definitely, I feel like the most, um, poetic and endearing and it, it gets you into it. it. It's just such a beautiful read in general. Um, Matthew, I love Matthew though, because Matthew really walks you through it all. I mean, it, it's all, all amazing yeah. in, in different ways. Um, but John is always a great place to start. But then after you've kind of soaked all this in of who Jesus really is. And I mean, you could spend years in there, but just soaked it all in. Then I always love to send people to Romans because that's yep. going to literally spell it out like step by step. This is how it actually works <laughs> with, with you dead in your sin and alive in Christ. And that Absolutely. is the good news. <laughs> yeah. my, my wife and I will be podcasting on Romans um, this next week. So you may be aware that the Church of Jesus Christ internationally this year is working through the New Testament. And right. a truth and love, we've seen this as a great opportunity for Christians to witness to the LDS friends. So we've been walking through that. Unfortunately, they're going to go through the entire book of Romans in two weeks. And so what we're going to really be encouraging folks is just to sit down and let God's word, if we truly believe that the gospel is the power of salvation for everyone who believes and that the power is in the word itself. Just read it. But you're, you're right, Shelby, that what you see in those opening chapters is the problem that we all have. Um, that what That's what Paul is doing in those opening chapters is first he's, he kind of makes it like, oh, those wicked Gentiles. But then he's like, no, the rest of you, you're just like them. 
Mm-hmm. And in order to really rejoice in the good news of the gospel, you need to realize first the predicament that you were in, that you weren't just broken in need of a little bit of polishing up, but that you were dead. You needed to be made alive, that you were an enemy that now needs to be brought into friendship. And that's when the gospel becomes so much more powerful is when you realize it's not just just giving me a push in the right direction. We sometimes refer to it um, in the Mormon church. It's it's kind of like Gatorade. Um, it's there to help you once you've given all of your best effort. No, it's the full thing. It needs to give you a bath and clean you up and wake you up and polish you and prepare you for life. Yeah. I One thing that I really remember about being in the church too is this... Um, very huge aversion to the word sin, even mm-hmm. um, that it wasn't something that I accepted for myself that I even was sinful. Um, and that's a huge change I have found in being a Christian is that understanding of the fact that I am a mess. I am sinful. I am. And and that's why I need him. That's why I need the good news. That's it, it's this um, kind of bringing you to your bottom so that you understand how God can bring you life. And and that was a a huge shift in my brain (laughs) that took a lot for me to understand. Absolutely. And and that's a hard place for us to allow ourselves to go. And perhaps even in a, a harder place for Christian witnesses to lead their friends, whether it's sitting across a table uh, or knocking on a door or somebody at work to really openly talk about sin. But I think one of the things that impressed those two girls in the coffee shop is that that young man who had sat down with me first, we were talking before we were talking about the gospel, we were talking about sin. We were talking about the law and he openly acknowledged a few sins that he was struggling with. And it was then that I was able to share with him the sweet news of the gospel. Those, those same girls, they were able to acknowledge some things that was on their mind. And so I, I, I don't want to ever lead your listeners or anyone to say, hold back on the gospel. But law and gospel are a partnership. And before someone is ready to really receive and hear the goodness of the gospel, they need to hear that hard-hitting message of the law. That standing before God on our own worthiness, we are going to be cast away. He's going to say to you, I never knew you, even though we maybe have lived in our lives in a church that has the name of Jesus, he will say, I never knew you. And until mm-hmm. you're brought to that place of acknowledgement, the gospel, you're not quite ready for it. It's it's actually understanding what the true word surrender means. Yeah. That yeah. when people say that, it's not like, a, oh, yes, I'm giving my life to God now. No, it's it's that moment of understanding that there is nothing that I could possibly ever do that would make me worthy. And that's why I need him. And that is so beautiful. That moment, it's hard. Oh, it's hard. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And 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 it's one that we need to have over and over again, because that little thing in us that says, I can do this, we got to surrender that over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, that's even the opening of my podcast is you think you're enough and the world is going to tell you you're enough, but you're not. And that's hard to hear. That's really hard sometimes if in our prideful state, our very sinful state, or if we're trying to live by the law, just like as you're saying, whether it's in in this world and in, in sin or whether it is in the law that we're going to do it all on our own, it you can't. And that's a, that's a very sobering moment, 
but also, like I said, probably one of the most beautiful moments of my life when I truly feel like that's when I met God was when I had that moment where it was like, holy smokes, like I can't do it. And, and you are going to get me through because you're the only one who can. And it was, yeah, life-changing, <laughs> transformational. Yeah, that's, that's the gospel. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and Shelby, so many stories like that just remind me of the, the parable of the prodigal son in the Bible, which is one of the most gospel-filled stories that unfortunately Mormon theology just completely distorts because as a, a lifelong biblical Christian, that is one of the, the stories that is most near and dear to me. This man that really abused the grace of God, rejects his father, goes off and you know lives a life of wild living, but then finally comes to his senses and in a sense surrenders to the fact he's not pulling it off. And when he goes back, what does the father say to him? All right, well, now it's time to get to work. No, the father wants none of that. The, the boy still thinks that it's a workspace relationship with his father. He says, oh, father, I'll be a servant. I'll work my way back in your house. And the gospel says, no, I'm going to take your filthy rags that have been hanging out with pigs and while it, or wallowing in the mud, and I'm going to give you a brand new robe. I'm going to take the dirty sandals off of your feet and give you new ones. I'm going to put a ring of grace and acceptance on your finger. And then I'm going to throw a party for you. That's the gospel. And that's what the big brother who in Mormonism is held up as this, you know, awesome guy that was doing the right thing. That's where the big brother's like, what? This doesn't make sense. And that's really the point of the story is that grace, the gospel doesn't make sense because it's not about you and what you're doing. It's about what the father and what he's done for you. His and, will. And, I, we're all, and we're left wondering, like, what happened to that big brother? Did he ever go into the party or did he run away mad because he thought it was all about him? Yeah. All right. So I'd like to now, if you could, because I think that this just goes right into it. You have a big initiative going on with the Jesus is enough initiative and you guys are doing big things. And I just think this is so cool and so exciting. I would love for you to tell my listeners a little bit about this because I think it's something that is going to help them so much. Yeah. Th thanks for the opportunity. So as I mentioned, I, I've been with Truth and Love for about three years, and I am a learner. So I die, have just dove in deep, dive deep into all things LDS, um, specifically theology, but also spending a lot of time with both current and former members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And one of the things that we as a ministry have really been sensing in recent years is there are a lot of ministries that are doing a lot to try and reach those that are deeply ingrained in Mormonism. And that's that's having some seed planting effects and God is blessing those. Um, some of it to the extent that now we're really sensing that there is a new opportunity that God is presenting. And that is not those folks that are deeply ingrained in Mormonism, but folks that are in this place where their shelf has been piled upon way too much or it is actually broken. And now they're left in this weird place, one foot in, one foot out, where they are really wondering, what do I do next? Where do I go from here? Um, I, I've even been thinking about it in this, like, if you've been packing your doubts about the Mormon church and even your doubts about God onto a shelf for many years, and that shelf is cracked, and you are looking at the broken pieces of your life there on the floor, you're ready, in a sense, to take it all to the curb and say, this was all a lie. And so many, as you know, are leaving 
Mormonism, but are going straight into the world of atheism or agnosticism. And my heart is breaking for people that had an affinity or an affection for God and Jesus that now are abandoning him altogether. And we're saying, what if we could find a way to reach those people? Because right now, most often when people in that struggling place of transition, they're looking for people that have have walked this journey before them. And they're going online and they're finding things like the Mormon Stories podcast, which I listen to you, listen to. I, I find a lot of value in hearing those stories. But most of those stories end in that dark place of atheism and rejecting God altogether. And there are lots of ex-Mormons out there that have told their stories. There's lots of Christians out there sharing the gospel, but we thought, what if we could find a way to bring all of those different ideas of of telling ex-Mormon stories, of sharing the gospel, of examining faith transitions, all into one place in a very compelling and captivating initiative. And that's when the idea of Jesus is enough um, really came to the surface. And it's this idea that what we really want to do is be much more direct than we are in our current direct to Mormon ministry. We're going to, we're going to call the thing, the thing we're still not going to take the approach of attacking Joseph Smith or cultural history and heritage. It's going to be much more focused on sin and grace sharing the gospel. But the way we're going to do that is through telling very captivating, compelling um, ex-Mormon stories of people being brought into faith. And Shelby, it has been just a joy um, to spend months on the road with the film crew sitting in my friends' homes, hearing how God worked in their lives, sometimes for decades, to draw them who had been trapped to to rescue them, really, so that they have come to place their complete trust in Christ and Christ alone. And we're going to tell nine or really eight different stories in nine different episodes. They're going to range from 45 minutes to about an hour, 45 um, in addition to just kind of the straight on camera shots, we spent a couple extra days on each location filming what's called B-roll. So kind of in a normal documentary, you're going to see things outside of the house. Uh, we're actually trying to recreate a lot of the very impactful law and gospel moments that people had along the way. Uh, just give an example. Um, one young guy, the very first time he heard the gospel was at a Mercy Me concert here in Boise. And he said, I couldn't unhear such good news. And we were actually able to find a clip from a Mercy Me concert of that year of the guy giving the same little gospel message. And we'll integrate that into the episode. Uh, We're also going to make use of Bible stories. So almost every single individual has two, three, sometimes even four times where it was a story in the Bible, maybe one that they had heard before, but maybe just saw with fresh eyes. And we're going to allow them to really flesh out the impact of that story. And then finally, integrated into all of these episodes will be Christian songs and hymns. Uh, We're trying to find a central theme or thread to pull at in each of the episodes. And then each episode will end with the individual kind of telling, and here's the rest of the story, or riffing on grace or the gospel or forgiveness. And there'll be a Christian song that will be integrated um, back and forth as they're um, telling the final part of their story. Uh, this will all live on jesusisenough.org.com. And we're going to have lots of other supplementary content um, that's on this website as well. That sounds amazing. I love it. I love it just too, because I mean, 
because my own story as well. I mean, after I left the church, it, it took me 20 years before I found Jesus. I mean, the real Jesus, I, I kind of bounced around. I, I, I do think that the whole, um, I guess, new age or new thought, I guess, is more of what we're calling it these days, uh, where very much in line almost with like the prosperity gospel in, in Christianity, just in the fact that, you know, we can do it all. We, you know, we can, we can move forward. Yep, we yep. can do everything and and we're going to get all the goodness. And uh, it, it really did take a hold on me for sure. And the whole self-help and, and really just trying to feel like we can do it all on our own. And, uh, and like I said, it was very sobering to find out that that is not the way. <laughs> Um, but that I just not. think about all these stories that people have and and how long it can actually take, even if you feel like you are coming to, to Jesus and you are learning about him, how far sometimes or how long it takes to actually get to that place of understanding who he really is if you don't have help. And so having something like this is so helpful to know that you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not as if we think that in some sort of way, we can artificially shorten the timeline that God already has in mind for someone to be brought to that place of surrender and trust. But God has given us modern tools and technology, including visual media that he is using, like you mentioned, the chosen earlier to share his message. And I cannot think of a more powerful and profound way of sharing the gospel than showing how it has impacted real people's lives. That, that's really what the most powerful parts of the Bible are, is the stories of people that were like this, um, trusting in themselves, and were now like this, trusting in Jesus. And you still see the struggles. You know, the, the story of Abraham is, is one of a 20-year journey of being brought into surrendering to God and trusting in him. And that's what so many of these stories are, is just... Um, elevating and emphasizing the goodness and grace of God in these journeys. I love it. I love it. And so if people are wanting to consume this, the best way to do that is going to be to go to the website, I'm assuming, and, and be able to find more information there. Yeah. So the, the website will be going um, officially live in January of 2024. If you'd like to learn more about it sooner than that, you can visit our Truth and Love website. So that is T ilm.org backslash J-I-E. And you'll learn more and find ways that you can pray about it, support it, and just really help us lift up this new arm into the LDS community. Amazing. I think it's just going to be such a light for these people who are looking for that direction and be able to highlight some beautiful stories. And I think it's going to be great. I have really good, um, good hopes for this initiative. I think it's going to be awesome. Thank you so much. And for all of those listening, you know, we, we want to hear from you too. Um, on the website, we're going to have opportunities for additional folks to share their stories. And we want this to really be a two-way communication piece where maybe you're going to listen to or watch one of these episodes and you really can relate to a story. We want to hear you know, how this story impacted you, how you on your faith journey were wrestling with similar things, how you came to to deal with those. Uh, we want this to be an interactive community. We're going to be um, integrating in a mentorship program, um, both kind of a formal one and a less formal one, where folks can walk alongside each other in this journey. Um, one of the things, Shelby, and, and you've told me this too, is 
many of the stories that end in atheism was because a Mormon did not have a Christian friend walking alongside them during that faith transition. And almost every single, I, I should say, all of the stories were telling. There was a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian that God used at some point in this story. And that's what we want all of you to be, is that Christian that comes and says, you know what, I, I may still be hurting. Um, I may be still broken by this church, but I got to go, I got to go back on a rescue mission. I can't leave my people there trapped like I was. And I know that's hard. I, I know it sometimes brings back nightmares and all of those memories of what was, but you love those people like I do. And let's, let's go and let's head them off before they head out that door to atheism and just love on them with Jesus. I agree. All right. So before I let you go today, I always like to ask a final thing. If someone out there is listening and they are really struggling with their faith right now, what advice would you give them to help lift them up, to help them to find that faith? Yeah, that's that's such a great question, Shelby. And I I know that's the name of your podcast, Finding Faith About. And, And I think right as you asked that question, it immediately triggered in my mind the lyrics um, of a song called Christ Will Hold Me Fast. And one of the lyrics in that is, when I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. And so often in this faith journey, we are putting so much pressure on ourselves to get everything figured out. Where what God is really saying to us in your word is you're a mess. You always have been, and you always will be in one way or another, but I'm going to hold you fast. And I'll I'll go back to that parable of the prodigal son. He didn't have it all figured out. He was a mess when he came back to his father and his father ran something that men in that culture, that wasn't polite to do a a middle-aged man to run out to his son, but he ran and he embraced his son, and he held him fast. My dear friend, whoever you are out there that is on this faith journey, turn to your father, and he will embrace you. Don't resist it. Don't 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 try and say, "Well, father, I'm not I'm not quite ready yet. I, there's a few things about myself that I need to change or improve." No, no, you're falling back into that workspace relationship. So it's in those places where, where you don't know those places where you're still struggling, those places where you're still wrestling with questions, that that's when you come like an inquisitive child to their father and say, Father, help me understand. Help me know. Humbly come to them with a heart that says, I want to know you more. I want to be able to trust in you more. I want to be able to wake up every morning with joy and, and happiness and hope. And he'll give that to you. And it may not be tomorrow or, or next week. He He may have some things that he's going to teach you along the way, but even there in the wilderness, he's with you. Um, He is giving you enough manna for today to provide for you until he welcomes you into that eternal banquet where all of those questions won't even matter anymore. So friend, that that faith, um, let him hold you fast. Um, Focus less on you clinging to him and just remember that he is holding you. I love that. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Mark, for being on today. 
like I said, I mean, I think you really truly are like the perfect podcast guest <laughs> to have to come Thank talk you. to my listeners just because of where they're at. And um, I definitely am going to put all of your information in the show notes. So if anybody is looking to reach out and to um, find out more about this initiative, they'll have that all available. So thank you again very much. Thank you. Thank you to all of those listening today. God be with you. Hey friends, I hope that this episode truly blessed you today and spoke to your heart. And if it did, I would love it if you could share it with your friend who might need to hear these words also. And if you truly, really loved it, then a five-star review really helps to get into the ears of so many more people. It's the way the algorithm works. So I would love it if you guys would be able to do that for me as well. And if you were looking for more resources, more help, more coaching, more all the good stuff, Go to findingfaithabove.com and make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. See you next time.